right, guys, here we are again. Punk Rock Cops the series. I'm here with Robin. This is Roger. And now we have the godfather himself, Carlos. He should have been here for the first meeting, but some wires got crossed. So uh, we'll be talking to Carlos today. What's up, dude? What's happening, y'all? Oh, not much. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, let's see. I'm from Texas, so I have to say y'all every other word. I work in law enforcement, obviously, for the last 10 plus years. And I'm from South Florida before that. I think that's pretty much me in a nutshell. All right, well, that's the end of the your... podcast, guys. Uh, have a uh... good day. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what's your current assignment, Carlos? I'm in traffic enforcement. Oh, God. Oh, You're yeah. one of those guys. I am. Writes tickets all day. Pretty much. <laughs> so, well, right. someone's got to do it. I know. Doing the Lord's work. So the that's last right. time we got together, Robin and I were talking about kind of how we came up in the hardcore punk rock scene and ended up becoming police officers, which is not typically the route that people end up uh, going to from the hardcore and punk scene. Um, can you kind of tell us about, why don't we talk about punk rock cops a little bit, actually, because I called you the godfather for a reason. Um, I think uh, Carlos is kind of the guy that started the whole thing. Uh, I'll share the credit. It wasn't just me. But uh, I don't know how we became cops. Because, like, think about, like, my close group of friends. Three of us are cops. One's a firefighter and one's a lawyer. And we all came out of the hardcore scene. So I'm not really sure how that happened. That's nice. uh that's a rare thing that, I mean, you don't see hardcore kids be- going into public <laughs> service, really. Right. So. We're all cops and lawyers now. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, I think it's rare, but it's not as rare as everyone thinks it is, right? Because maybe some people that are into uh, into public service and stuff were part of the punk scene. Maybe they just don't talk about it like we do. <laughs> maybe right. it's uh, not, it's maybe it wasn't as important to them as it is to some of us. But, you know, uh, I know that Carlos and Robin and I are like-minded in the sense that we kind of come from that tribe. You know, it was a, a community of close-knit people. So now we kind of have all met via the internet. And I feel like we've all become really good friends, which is cool. And uh, Carlos, you said you were from Florida. So I'm guessing you were into some some Florida hardcore, like uh, Poison the Well and stuff like that. Or was there other things that you were into? No, yeah, I grew up in South Florida. So, I mean, the punk, or the hardcore scene there, I think, was really special because you didn't get a lot of touring bands come through because we were so far south. So I think that's the reason that we had like a really strong scene is because we didn't get on any of the major uh, bands would tour that far down south we usually have, would have to drive out to atlanta or maybe orlando if we were lucky to catch a major show fortunately uh, madball and agnostic front they all had family in miami so they kind of came through a lot and would bring through uh, bring through a lot of more bands so that was cool there's some great hardcore bands that came out of florida i mean i can think of gosh at least 10 that i really like that are from florida so it's a good scene down there, it sounds like. It was. I'm, I'm pretty biased, but I'm pretty well-traveled. I've been to a lot of shows, I mean, from, from Miami to Buffalo. And I can say that the South Florida scene is, I think, Boston comes close second. And obviously Ooh, yeah. New York, but everywhere else. You're, say, you're, saying, you're saying Boston hardcore comes second to Florida hardcore? You're going to start a fight on here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very partial to Boston hardcore. I love it. Same here. I know that Carlos is also a Blood for Blood fan, which is which is awesome. Yeah. I, I think you have a Blood for Blood tattoo, don't you? I do actually I have a wasted youth tattoo. That's awesome. You ever have to explain that one away on a on a background check or anything? I had to explain all my tattoos on my <laughs> process. So 
that was that was interesting. But the funny story about the the wasted youth tattoo is it has a a Newcastle beer bottle, and like all my friends that I grew up with, they were all straight edge and they all had like straight edge tattoos. And so the kind of running joke was, like in the end, I'll be straight edge and all of them aren't going to be straight edge anymore. And off the top, I can think of probably only one person that was. We're all in our late thirties, early forties. I don't think any of those guys are straight edge anymore. Well, if they're not now, they never were, right? Just saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you, speaking you talk- of, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to let you talk about, uh, since you guys were talking about agnostic front, I know you have some news on that front. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I had the pleasure of going to see agnostic front last night with sick of it all. And uh, another band I wasn't too familiar with, Crown of Thorns. What? Oh, yes. What? What? <laughs> yeah. Crown like, of Thorns played that show? Yeah, they are the opener. Oh, my God. Wow. I would have driven to Colorado had I known. <laughs> and, I mean, they're entertaining. Don't get me wrong. They're not really, like, my taste. But um, they did great. The front. Who Who's the singer? It's going to be Lord Ezek, I believe, from right. uh, Scarhead. Oh, okay. All right. Or, Dan- or if Danny Diablo. Or what's he go by these days? Does he go by? It depends. Okay. He'll always be Lord Ezek to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they opened. They only played for like 30 minutes. And I then. I think they have a ton of material. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they were all right. The singer guy was really funny. He looked like he just rolled out of prison. <laughs> yeah, that's Ezek. Uh, <laughs> so yeah they're fun and then um agnostic front played they didn't play as long that as i thought they should have i think they had some sort of instrument malfunction or something so um roger um was he was like oh i guess this is our last song and of course they played gotta go that was their last song um, and then Sick of It All played, which were amazing. I don't think I've ever seen Sick of All Sick of It All live, and it, they're oh, just man. so good. They're yep. just oh my god, the energy's still there. And then Lou was wearing skinny jeans, which I just thought was really funny. <laughs> I mean, a total emo like size, like he wore his wife's jeans, and um, just great energy. And his voice sounds exactly the same as it does on you know recorded so that was really cool and then um pete like that dude's a beast like freaking he looked like you know that hardcore like dad with his cargo shorts and his bandana and his like bleached spiked hair and stuff um but yeah they're amazing and then (sighs) at the end of their set i like went up well, number one, I was singing and pointing and they saw me and they're pointing back, like pointing like right at me. So I felt they're really special. right at you the whole time, right? Pretty much. I, I mean, how could you not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, yeah. Um, so then I just, they were kind of walking around because the venue is pretty small. Um, and I went up and you know, Lou, like, he's like, thanks for singing along. And I, I went in for the hug, which. After their set? After their set. And oh, it was very, yucky. very, very sweaty. And I am so <laughs> against that. Like, I don't like that. But so I'm not showering ever again, right? 
Well, I didn't. I still have their sweat, like both brothers. Like, don't shower ever again. You just gotta. I'm never. You gotta wear it. Well, and it was funny because Lou was like, he's like, oh yeah, like you know, hugging me hard. And then I went over to Pete, and he was like, he's like, I'm so sweaty. I'm so sorry, but he still hugged me. He was, nice. he was glistening more. I mean, because he's like, you know, he's ripped, but you know, Lou isn't. Lou is, you know, the emo brother in defense of these skinny jeans it is impossible to buy regular jeans these days for men are you not are you are you saying you wear skinny jeans roger i'm saying that the only thing available is (laughs) stop shopping at the gap i have to shop at the baby gap so (laughs) no he shops at express okay i do shop at express thank you very much i don't know how you knew that but uh, you said it you talked about it (laughs) Hey, it's how was on stage. Oh What's God. that? How was Roger moving around on stage? Actually, he was um, pretty good. I mean, I know that he had surgery early this year, I think, um, mm. because he's had cancer twice. But he wasn't, I mean, he was pretty good, I have to say. Like, he jumped a few times. Um, I mean, he's not in the best shape right now because, you know, he's recovering, but um little Vinny stigma there <laughs> senior citizen he was on fire I posted on my Instagram I don't know if you guys saw it but um he got down in the pit and he had to have like a couple of assistants to make sure that he was okay yeah that's probably <laughs> a good idea because really. <laughs> he's so little and um I mean but he yeah, was stigma's got to be like 70 by now I think he's like 64, 65. Was he touring with H2O recently too? I Somebody told me that um, they saw H2O in Chicago with mm-hmm. um, the Descendants. And they told me they thought, they said this guy from Agnostic Front was playing guitar. And I can't imagine who else it would be. But I, I don't know that Stigma has played well, they, with H2O. Well, they have another guitar player, Agnostic yeah. Front. Yeah, hey, I don't know. But uh he said it was an older guy from Agnostic Front, and I was like, it's got to be Vinny Stigma. But- well, they're all old, though. <laughs> well, we're, we're old. Yeah, I mean, we're getting there. <laughs> I mean, so we're so not as was- old as them. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, they were our age when we started listening to them, you know? Um, right. What's, uh, what was the crowd like? Was it, was it people our age, like middle aged people, or was there a bunch of young kids? Um, so it was pretty, and I was, I was talking about this. So <laughs> it was a mix. So you had the people, that were old like total gray hair wrinkles but there's this one like old crust punk that um had like his you know his battle vest on and everything and he was all up in the pit and he had to be in his 50s um and then you had people around our age like the hardcore kids like I saw this one dude I was like he's totally um, around the same age he had a strife windbreaker on yes <laughs> with with cargo uh shorts and um like i don't even know what kind of shoes he had on but totally like our generation of hardcore kid and uh then you had some of the younger kids like i saw a younger emo-ish looking kid with like he had his sweatband on and he was in the pit, but he was obviously in his twenties and um, he was like right up front singing along the whole time during agnostic front. So. 
it was a good mix. There wasn't a lot. I mean, it wasn't a ton of people, which is really sad, but um, it was still really fun and the energy was good. Um, Not really good dancing in the pit. I have to say I was very disappointed in the lack of hardcore dancing in the pit. So, but otherwise it was really fun. I liked it. It was uh, past my bedtime. G.I. Joe head stomp or clobber that. Oh, well, no, no, no. I was really upset they didn't play clobbering time. I'm like, really? I mean, it's like less than a minute, the song. So like, why can't you fit that in there? But they did play, um, of course, scratch the surface. Um, They closed with step down, of course. What else? I was just so excited. I, I was just so focused. They have just great energy. I was really impressed. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Good on the 50-year-old dude in the pit. I mean, that's amazing. I, uh, I've i kind of gone into hardcore retirement as far as that goes. I kind of stand towards the back these days. I, I went and saw um, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, and uh, a couple other bands up in Chicago at the House of Blues for the Rev 25 show. And I, I think it was Into Another. No, down, no, I'm sorry. Down to Nothing played that show. And their pit was a bunch of psychos jumping off the stage and like yes. big, big buff monsters. And one landed on my head and I, my neck has not been the same since. So I've kind of taken it like pretty easy. It shows I'm, I'm old and fragile at this point. I, when I went and saw the, uh, the misfits uh, reunion, the original misfits reunion, I, I did, I was like, all right, I have to go up here for this and for fear, but I was very um, speaking, speaking of which I'm going to interrupt you really quick um carlos what's what's your favorite generation of misfits i just want i just want I've, to take a poll yeah i can't listen to misfits without danzig, danzig oh, that's, that's a see see i knew it uh, i knew that carlos was gonna be team danzig like me so so i don't think it's two sorry roger teams. i just think it's two parts of the same team so no i don't want to hear it mm, no <laughs> I'll, I'll, here's what i'm gonna say if it wasn't for misfits 95 when they came back they would have never had this resurgence like they did now. And honestly, I'll go even further and say, if it wasn't for Metallica in the early 80s, the Misfits probably would have never gotten the notoriety that they have today because guys like Cliff Burton and James Hetfield and those guys really kind of pushed their music to the forefront where they were kind of really an underground band before that. Of course, Danzig had his own thing, but uh, I feel like we're going to end up talking about the Misfits a lot in every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's important, so it has to be mentioned. It's funny you yeah. say that and mention Metallica. I don't think I can name you three Metallica songs. Well, all you got to do is name Green Hell, Last Caress, and Die, Die, My Darling. They did those three, which, uh, you know, you know those three. I had no idea that Metallica covered Misfits, to be honest with you, until yeah, you brought it up. I was today yeah. years old. Wow. <laughs> so what's, what's funny is they do a really awesome version of Die, Die, My Darling. And uh, when I saw the Misfits live and they did Die, Die, My Darling, Doyle played a part that was similar to the way that Metallica plays it rather than the way that the Misfits played it. And I was like, wait a minute, is he covering his own song by the <laughs> Metallica version? I was like, hmm. So maybe he just liked the little part that they added when, and he threw it in there. I don't know. But I was like, huh. But yeah, I, I think I, I, I told you last time, you know, my introduction to uh, the Misfits was through Metallica by singing Last Caress and getting slapped in the mouth by my mom when I was about five. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that is definitely 
not a kid-friendly song at all. It's very catchy, though. It's easy to remember. It's almost like your ABCs. I mean, so I, I learned well, it pretty my, quick. My first um, Misfit song that I heard that that made me fall in love with them was Where Eagles Dare. I mean, because that <laughs> chorus is the best ever. So when I was a kid, I used to uh, put on headphones and play my guitar and I would play along with CDs and stuff. Well, I like how you uh, pointed to your headphones like we didn't know what headphones were. These things right here. Um, <laughs> but I would uh, go in my room and, you know, my parents, you know, were typical working parents they weren't home a lot and of course uh I was maybe 14 years old and I I had learned how to play where eagles dare because it's like two chords it's like a and g over and over again and then there's a little chorus but of course the chorus I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch I'm screaming it at the top of my lungs and my parents walk in like are you fucking kidding me right now (laughs) like you're just gonna scream that all day long I'm like yeah it's, it's punk rock mom so that was that's awesome yeah, I'll never forget like my introduction to punk rock. I had my next door neighbor that I moved into, who turned out to be my best friend and is now a homicide detective. We, we took me to go see uh, Against All Authority. That was my very first punk rock show, and I'll never forget as we were walking up to the venue, this dude with a uh, his studded jacket, giant mohawk, comes out holding his nose, and blood is just gushing out, and it was just like love at first sight from that point <laughs> forward. That's awesome. Who all played that show? I remember it was AAA and it was uh, the Teen Idols, not the real, real Teen Idols, but it was, uh, I remember the other Teen Idols. Nice. Yeah. So Against All Authority, they're kind of, they're like power ska, right? That was like my first introduction because I was a hip hop head, like growing up, I grew up on, you know, Nas, Biggie and Wu-Tang. So like hip hop to me was life and I got into like kind of ska, ska core-ish it wasn't until like later on that I discovered, you know, uh, hardcore. And then there was no returning back after that. Like, I still remember exactly where I was the very first time I heard Minor Threat. That was like a like a core memory. Let's hear it. And we were uh, on I-95. And then my friend, we had that, was it still that, that discography, that red disc. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember just hearing probably, I think the first one on the disc is what, Filler? Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, what <laughs> is this? Because I was mm-hmm. always drawn to like, I think that's what was so attractive, I guess, to ska music or now. Now every time I hear ska, it sounds like circus music to me. But at least I like <laughs> the kind of the, like the faster kind of third wave. You know, I got super into uh, the Skoidats, uh, Inspector 7, Ska Flaws. So those mm-hmm. were kind of the, the punk band or the, the ska bands that I got really into. So it was weird. I, I'm from like hip hop to ska to punk to hardcore and now i just listen to hardcore and hip-hop a little bit of charlie crockett here and there yes thanks to you charlie crockett farm emo (laughs) i I owe robin for the farm emo that's uh that's her word yes or or country core depends on (laughs) (laughs) it depends on the the artist so or my mood rather too it was weird in florida we had this venue it was called uh club q and so they would do like hardcore shows and then afterwards it would be either a rave or it would be a like a goth club and there was always Mm -hmm. like a weird mix of people after like the hardcore show ended and like all the rave kids were showing up or like 
all the goth. It was called the morgue. So after after whatever time the hardcore show ended, Club Q turned into the morgue. And there was this always this guy that was dressed like Dracula at the front door. <laughs> and he had like this like giant like tricycle like monsters. Like it was the weirdest fucking thing ever. I think that's really like a 90s club scene thing like late 90s early 2000s Mm because it was kind of the same in my area we had uh, a club I'm not going to name names so I don't give myself away too much but we had a club that uh, would have all ages shows it was amazing and then at like 10 o'clock it would turn into the Sunday spin or whatever so then like they'd have the DJ and come out and do the rave and actually at one point they they were pretty good at staggering the shows so that like there wasn't you know 3,000 people kind of converging but at one point, the schedules got wrong, actually, and there was like a riot outside of the venue between the raver kids and the the punk rock kids or rocker kids, I guess. And it was uh, it was interesting. It was the first time I'd ever gotten pepper sprayed. Um, I wasn't <laughs> uh, it wasn't intended for me, but I was just kind of standing there like watching the chaos and they they let it rip. And I remember it sucking pretty bad. But that was kind of the end of shows at that venue, unfortunately, because it was really cool. Yeah, there were so many venues in Florida. There was South Florida. There were just one and done. They would host one show, and the place would get demolished, and never again would they host another one. Uh, yeah, it was, it was similar, too, in in my scene as well. I remember I went to one, um, and I'm trying to remember who I saw. Um, I want to say it was American Nightmare. Um, I forgot who they were playing with, but it was in one of it was in a town that's very um, it, it's a college town. And so there was a football game um, that was going on at the same time of the show and um, the football team, they won the game, the home team. And so like people were getting out of control. And so the, they, they pepper sprayed, like they freaking just sprayed that shit everywhere. And it ended up coming into the venue and we got, you know, the, the excess of that so good times though you know great show (laughs) and and i'm sure i'm sure all of us during those uh things were like oh screw the police they're horrible and and then here we are so uh, (laughs) so going back to i guess to our cop lives uh robin i know you kind of wanted to talk about what you've been up to as far as that well well i just thought we could kind of just cover you know like where our career started and where it went so for me um I started as a civilian my job title was detention specialist and it was at a sheriff's office um and then like within that within a year of working in the jail um as a civilian I went to the academy while I was working full-time And so I did both. And so I didn't have a day off for like six months. (laughs) I was either in the academy or I was working swing shift in the jail. And then um, once I got commissioned a deputy, I worked in the jail for a couple years. And then I tested for patrol, got out there um, and did patrol for like four years. Um, And then I got married and started having kids. And so I took a really short break, um, with my first kid and, uh, I left that sheriff's office because my husband was in the military 
and we were traveling and stuff like that. And then, then I went back um, to another sheriff's office um, closer to where I live now. Well, actually in the city I live in now. And uh, did a couple of different things there. Worked in court and transport. So did like the courthouse deputy thing. Um, and then did, did some admin stuff with um, concealed handgun permits and then got really sick of that and went to a police department in a neighboring jurisdiction and um, did patrol, which you really could be proactive at that department. And um, that was fun. And then I wanted a normal schedule uh, because I have kids and whatnot. And so I (laughs) became an SRO for one school year, which was very painful. I hated it. Um, I mean, great schedule for just a second. So we were an SRO with growing up as a punk kid. Did you ever run into any punk kids at the school that you like identified with, or did you ever have some kids like that? Cause I, I know when I'm, I've been on patrol, I've run into some skater kids and stuff and it's like, uh, I tried to like, Hey man, we're, we're the same. They're like, no, we're not. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't run into too many um, just because a lot of these kids are into like, you know, the emo rap nowadays and whatnot. So I'm not, I'm not You're, familiar with emo rap. Are you Carlos? Uh, kind of. Yeah. I, I know you're talking more SoundCloud rappers and all that. Right. But, you know, I've, yeah. I know I've run into a couple of kids with like, I'll never forget. I was working a school zone one morning and the kid was walking by wearing a dead Kennedy shirt. And so I played a uh, California over Alice over the PA and like his mind was just blown. <laughs> um, went to a yeah. disturbance one night and there was a, a kid wearing like a GBH shirt. And so we mm-hmm. totally like geeked out and started talking about punk and like, you could just see all the other kids just like staring at us, like with their mouths open. Like, what is this cop talking about with this kid? So yeah, I've be had better, a few moments like that. Where... Uh, be better if you arrested him for GBH while he was wearing the GBH shirt. You're right. Define irony. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, didn't I mean, to interrupt. I, I just wanted to ask no, that question. So no, you're good. Um, I mean, I, as a regular, you know, officer deputy, I ran into a lot of kids that were wearing like you know more metalcore stuff. Like, um, I remember seen a kid wearing a Venge sevenfold shirt and I was like oh yeah I knew those guys I met those guys before anyone knew who they were before they were on MTV and stuff like that and they're like no way that's that's amazing and I mean so it it's a great it's a great like icebreaker especially with you know teenage kids but when I was an SRO I didn't run into too many punk kids which was really sad um but it is what it is but yeah so um after being an SRO for one school year because I was bored out of my mind um I went to investigations and became a desk bitch and um you know just hit the ground running so like working homicides and uh felony assaults sex assaults pretty much everything um and then you know, I just, I've been a detective slash investigator uh, now for like over five years, but I left my PD and now I'm a, a state investigator um, in the other part of my job. So I do a lot of drug cases. And then the other part of my job is 
executive protection for a um, a state ca- cabinet member who I can't really mention or talk about, but I do a protection detail. I rotate like every other week um, where I, you know, just make sure no one kills him. So yeah, good times. Nice. What about you, Carlos? Uh, yeah, I got in, obviously patrol was, you know, where you cut your teeth and started really getting into DWIs. I think like after the first, you know, year or two, you kind of start figuring out what your niche is. And for some reason, I just gravitated, gravitated towards uh, DWIs. And so I mean, led the department, you know, a handful of years with DWIs and then finally had a, a spot on traffic open up. So that was an easy transition for me. Uh, so I do all the collision reconstruction stuff and now we've integrated drones in our program. So that's kind of helped a lot. So I'm kind of leading that and establishing our drone program and the training and all that kind of stuff that's geared towards uh, collision reconstruction. So the only thing I have turned down though is, uh, being a DRE. I don't know if I want to do that. That's a lot. That's even yeah, more, that's harder than collision reconstruction, but, uh, yeah. Is uh, it though? I, I don't know that. Those reconstruction, though, I don't know. You have to know a lot of math and stuff. I did. I got through level one traffic accident investigation, and I complained the entire week that I was in that class. I hated it. <laughs> no, it's weird. Like I, I remember, right through math in high school, I had to get through like the most bare bones, like arithmetic. Their math class was their work because I couldn't pass any of the the mediocre ones. <laughs> but I can do trig now, which is weird. I mean, you have to kind of want to learn how to do it it's it's not easy but Ugh. it's if, if i can do it anybody can do it so yeah i've Roger? been in traffic now and i don't oh. i don't see myself going anywhere else i don't really have anything interesting to say as far as what i do i just uh kind of do what they tell me to so uh maybe expand on it in the future i don't know probably not but uh <laughs> <laughs> switching gears here uh carlos your handle is vegan police uh Let's talk about that. Are, are you uh, are you the vegan police or what's what's the story? On I, I used to be the vegan police. I was that annoying vegan that would like give people <laughs> shit for like. So you kind of get through those first couple of years and you stop being so militant about it. Now, I mean, I'll sit down across from anybody and eat whatever is. Or I can you know I could see myself probably in the beginning. You know, I would I would never sit down with somebody that was eating meat. So I've, I've definitely got a lot more chill and like relax and you kind of get more. It's like John Joseph says, you know, you attract more people with, with honey and then you do with the shit. Like you don't want to be the fly going after the shit, looking for the negativity. You want to try to, you know, be more positive about it. So it's definitely, I've got a lot more people and to kind of give it a second thought or to like, Oh, cool. I've never thought about it that way. Rather than just like immediately like be confrontational or like, come off one of those like holier than thou and now i just kind of laugh at those kind of vegans i'm like i could see somebody like being like really militant about it and then like later on like they stop being vegan i'm like oh like you weren't even about it from the beginning so right i mean that's and for those that don't know that's how i met carlos is uh it kind of made this whole little trio happen here i guess uh i was uh i felt like the world's lone vegan punk cop i've been vegan for like 15 years and I, I saw a lot of positive benefits from it and of course i was like a you know a big PETA supporter annoying standing on the corner in my underwear holding up uh protest signs for a while and yeah i went i went down that road for a minute but uh you know obviously when you learn about the the horrors that animals go through and it's it's shocking to you you want others to know um 
sometimes people don't want to know and that's that's the issue so uh, they kind of get pissed off at you when you're throwing it in their face all the time and and you are right and so is john joseph as far as uh you know catching more flies with honey than vinegar or bullshit as he would say but um yeah so i don't remember how i ran into carlos i think it was unit to back had posted something i think it was that original circle jerk shirt and I saw this guy whose name was Vegan Police, and it says, like, uh, hardcore aficionado, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, well, it's cool to meet another cop that's uh, into hardcore, and that's a vegan. I thought, you know, I was the only one. And then he's like, wait, you're a cop? And I was like, yeah. He's like, and you're vegan? I'm like, yeah. And he says, stand by. And then all of a sudden, I'm put in this world of all these other vegan cops all over the place. And I've made a lot of friends. Uh, Carlos and I have met up a couple of times. Uh kind of driven all over the country to meet up with these people. So it's pretty cool, man. Uh, Robin, I'll forgive you for, for being a, a flesh eater, but. Hey, uh, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, you know, being a hardcore kid, um, I had a lot of vegan friends. Um, I was vegetarian for like three years, so I totally get it, but you know, it's, it's, it's a great cause. And I, I support, I support completely. I even made vegan brownies a couple of weeks ago. Um, Roger, you get the recipe for that. Roger gave me the recipe, but that was after <laughs> like how long that I was nagging you about it. So I'm a busy guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Anyways. Like having this, this like network of like vegan and punk rock cops all around the world now, like we've been able to, to connect with people. I mean, from, Washington State Police, NYPD, LAPD, like you name it. We've got you know cops in Canada and New Zealand, so, so it's kind of weird being able to have this network of punk rock and, and vegan cops. What's up, Aaron and Brendan? Sorry, I just wanted to say it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's been cool, man. There's been like uh, you know, I've gotten I've gotten to say that some of these people are, are my best friends at this point, and it's funny because. I would have never met him had it been for the internet. And I know I bitch about the internet and how social media is destroying the world and things just aren't as cool as they used to be. But I think there is a, there is a positive to it that that brings people like-minded people together. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, being in this career and stuff, I felt pretty lonely for a long time, you know, and just being like the lone dude at my department, you know, I would, uh, obviously being, being vegan, you get a lot of crap for it anyway, cause it's not considered masculine you know, or, uh, or it's not the cool thing to do, especially living in the Midwest where I live in the middle of cow shit and cornfields. But, um, the, uh, you know, being a punk rock dude is even weirder. Like I got it. I got a guy I work with. He's a younger dude and he's starting, he's into like, uh, like the, the metal core stuff, like, uh, Parkway drive and, uh, kind of the, the early 2000s stuff. And, um, we kind of intersect at that area, like, cause I like to tray you and some of those bands when they first came out and. Oh, you, you, you said a tray. <laughs> uh, I, I, I admit it. I'm sorry, but. Hey, I love a tray. You, I, I've seen them. They're really good live. I mean, a guy who can like play drums and sing at the same time, like that's awesome. So. Did you guys have the Done DVD? It was like X don't X. It came out in probably like 2005. We'll have to explore that a little bit sometime because it it had music videos from A18, uh, Atreyu, like all kinds of bands that were kind of coming up at that time. 
And are you, speaking of A eighteen, are you guys you guys fans? I've never even heard of them. What? I've heard a few songs. I gotta all have to rediscover it because I mean I've I know I've listened to them before. I just don't remember. Yeah, I'll add uh, I'll add some A eighteen to the playlist. Uh, Dear Furious is a great album. Uh, a couple of friends of mine played with them for uh, as touring guitarists for a while, so we got to play with them a lot back in the day. So, which if you guys out there in listener land don't know, uh, we we are setting up kind of a uh, a playlist on Spotify that will have um, songs and bands that we talk about on our podcast here. So, if there's anything you want to check out or explore, if it's something you've heard or something you wanted to hear. If we talk about it, we try to list it on there. It was funny. I'll never forget. Like when I got hired, I was I wanted to keep being vegan, like on the down low, and I was like, I'm just gonna be quiet about it, and you know, let them find out. And I'll, my very first night riding out on patrol as a cadet, the officer was like, Oh, it's, this is really good barbecue place here down the street. You know, let's <laughs> let's go there. And I was like, Oh, I really don't eat meat. And he's like, Oh, there's a good pizza place over here too. We can kind of go over there. And I was like. I don't eat dairy either. And he literally slammed on his brakes and he goes, <laughs> are you a fucking vegan? And I was like, well, there it goes. Like day one, cats <laughs> out of the bag. And they still and get so called up. Day, don't they? He called up the patrol sergeant. He's like, Hey, you're never going to fucking believe this. And you guys are fucking vegan. <laughs> I'm just like, well, there went that plan. But no, my first FTO, they used to call me the anomaly on my shift. They're like, Oh, you're an atheist vegan democrat at the time <laughs> police officer in texas like how the fuck do you even exist yeah, that's so yeah i was the anomaly for a long time it was kind of when i went to the, our police academy it's like a military style academy and you have to stay there you don't get to go home so it's three months you're there monday through friday and you come home saturdays you go back sunday nights but um i was like oh my god am i gonna have to compromise i've been a vegan for a very long time am i have to like you know I, I was like thinking in my head, like, what am I going to have to compromise to go through this? I don't know if I want to do it. Am I going to starve? And luckily they just fed me an ass load of tofu. Like I hate tofu for like <laughs> every meal. And the cook was like, when I left the Academy, like the last week, he's like, Hey man, I got a bunch of this tofu left. Do you want to take it home with you? I was like, dude, I never want to eat tofu again as long as I live. <laughs> I ate so much here, but actually they were pretty good about providing most stuff. There's only a couple of times where they like forgot about me. And, uh, they ran out of like soy milk one time. So I, I don't know, it was like week eight in the academy. I'm sitting there, life is sucking and I'm eating some frosted flakes and I dry. And I put water on them and I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> gross. I'm like, is this Dude. my freaking life right now? Why the hell am I doing this? But nothing, my- I was gonna say, nothing kills my vibe more than like going out of town for training and seeing like in the itinerary, like lunch will be provided. I'm just like, oh, I'm <laughs> fucked. Right. Thank God for Happy Cow. I don't know if you guys, well, Robin, you probably don't use it these days, but it's a great app where I can find restaurants. So. Yeah. Usually I'll plan accordingly and eat in my patrol car in the parking lot or something or, or bring food to class. But I've been hit with those in the middle of the day thinking that we're going to be able to go out for lunch and training. And all of a sudden they start bringing in food and I'm eating like a bag of chips <laughs> hey, and I, lettuce I'm... or something. <laughs> I'm a big vegan supporter. Like, uh, you know, I had one of my good hardcore friends. Um, she was vegan and she would like cook all the time for me. And so it was always really good. And so, I, I mean, if someone cooked for me all the time, I probably like have no, I wouldn't be unhappy. Like I wouldn't miss like eating meat or anything. I mean, there's some good stuff out there and I'll go to restaurants and I'll, 
<clears throat> purposely order the vegan dish or whatever, just because it just sounds really good and, and whatnot. And since I'm half Asian, I love tofu. Like, uh, my mom like would cook with tofu all the time. So that's awesome. It's, yeah. I, uh, anymore, it's kind of easy. You got places like Burger King and KFC and, uh, freaking, and uh, my new vice. Yeah, they, they all have a vegan option. And it's not necessarily like the most healthy thing, but at least you're not just, you know, surviving on whatever you brought with you. Or I, I know back in the day and playing in bands, it's like I lived on Subway oh. sandwiches because I knew I knew no matter where we went, I could get some crappy veggie sub. And, and that was that. And if I found something other than that, it was amazing. Actually, I had a friend named Lee who's an amazing baker. She lives up uh, near Chicago. And anytime we would play there, she would always hook us up. And it was just like so much food. I wanted to die after eating it because she would just always take care of us. And it was awesome. And living on Subway sucks. I think the, so. the best thing that came out of the pandemic is all the curbside to go ordering now. Because, I mean, they tell you when you start, like, you you don't go, you don't eat anywhere in uniform ever. Like, there's a certain number of, of safe restaurants that you can go to. But I mean, I would never go to Burger King or Carl's Jr. Panda Express and eat in uniform. But now with the the to go orders on the apps, I can just order it, and you can see everybody's face when I walk in and get my food. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> get a chance to to fuck with my food. Uh, so uh, I recently talked to Rob Rushing, who is a co-founder of Punk Rock Save Lives. Uh, I met him through going to some shows and doing some swabs for some, a company he used to be a part of a not-for-profit. And Rob said he's going to be interested in being on the show. So maybe in the future here, we'll have him in. Um, anything else that you guys have w- wanted to talk about? No, it's just become like a daily, like I don't even think about it anymore or find myself. I'm still, I'm stuck in like late nineties, early two thousands, hardcore. Like I don't give any new bands the chance. So I'm stuck with like, my regular rotation in music that I listen to. But it's funny, one day my sergeant called me up and he's like, hey, I need you to meet me down at the station. And I was like, oh, shit, that's not good. So, like, as I'm driving to the PD, I'm, like, running through the Rolodex in my head, like, all right, who complained? What did I do to piss somebody off? And I walk into his office and I get the next oh, shit moment, close the door. I'm like, oh, fuck. And he's got pulled up on his desk. I could see it's from my dash camera on the traffic stop. And I was like, man, I don't remember anybody complaining today. And then because our videos upload and then so he hits play and it's in the background playing a throwdown, get sick motherfuckers. <laughs> and that's all you can hear. I'm up at the window making contact with the driver. And the only thing you hear in my patrol pack or my patrol car is just get sick motherfuckers. And I was like, oh, thank <laughs> God. Like, that's why you called me here. So, yeah, now okay, I just make so sure funny. to like, turn it down. <laughs> I had a similar situation, but it was hit him up by Tupac was playing. Oh, and I got nice. a little talking to him about that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to cool. beat. It's hard to beat that, like that generation of hardcore. Um, I've tried to listen to some of the newer bands. I mean, I like Turnstile. I think they, they definitely, I mean, they're, you know, kind of an acquired taste, but like as far as like newer bands, I mean, they've been around now for like over 10 years, but, um, that's one of the newer bands that I really kind of like. I've, I've tried to give some of these other ones um, a chance. I mean, there's a couple like trapped under ice um, is a good one for people to check out, but they're, 
you know, basically um, the singer of Turnstile. I think he was the drummer at one point of Trapped Under Ice, um, but they're good. But yeah, I mean, mostly on my playlist, it's, it's, you know, the older stuff. Like I could listen to that, like, you know, forever and be happy and not discover any, I mean, there's so many bands too from that, from that generation of hardcore that you, I mean, it's, it's like you kind of forget about some of them and then you go back and rediscover them and you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot these guys were really good. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stuck Thank in goodness for the punk there. rock cops playlist. Cause that's usually going on in, in the background at work. Cause I like thank goodness for Spotify. Like I have music on all the time, whether I'm cleaning at home, driving, walking the dogs or working. I always have music on in the background and I haven't checked up on the playlist, but I'm sure we got probably like 600 songs in there now. Yeah. It's, it's a great workout playlist. I listen to it all the mm-hmm. time when I'm running or riding the bike. Uh, so I'll ask you guys, cause this is a band I consider a new band, even though I first started listening to them like 2000, I've never seen them live. What are your thoughts on Voice Sets Fire? Because I think that they are one of the most underrated hardcore bands in the world. Yeah, yeah they're great. Yeah, um, I know I've seen them a handful sorry. of times. I've seen some old flyers that I have of them, but I, I couldn't name you one of their songs. Rookie. You know Rookie, right? I mean, I think I was on all the victory comps. Yeah, but um, they've done, they just put out, uh, they put out a couple records recently and they were just so freaking good. I listened to them and I was just like, Oh my god, these guys still got it. I don't know how they like. I I think they had a song on like uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or some video game. Mm. They kind of blew them up for a little bit, and I I swear they were like so close to like mainstream commercial success, and then they just kind of fell off. But man, Nathan Gray, the guy that sings for them, he is he's just so good, and he has another band, I Am Hearsay, and I think he's got the Nathan Gray Collective. Uh, he did a song with Frank Turner recently too, which to be honest, I wasn't. Like two of my favorite people, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be amazing!" And to be honest, I was kind of let down by that. Song. It's like Hazen Street. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross. It's that was very disappointing. You get all excited, you're like Hazen Street. You got you know Toby and and Chad Gilbert and all the like those guys, and then it was terrible. I'm like this is. I, the I worst. wanted to. Lo- I wanted to love it, but I just. You know, and no disrespect to those guys because I I think they're all amazing dudes. But I just uh, I just didn't like that album, man. A punk what? So it just became like a punchline. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you said but a punk yeah. vine. I was like, whoa, oh, I remember vine. Yeah. That, that was fun. Yeah, but, Chad Halud, he gets a pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, it's really sad that. Um, well, you know, new, he went to Newfound Glory, but, like, he had a great hardcore voice, you know? Like, I, I wish Shai Halud would have, you know, continued on a little longer. Oh, they totally did. Well, oh, yeah. with him. With him, you know? But yeah, I flew back during the Academy. I went back home to go see, uh, it was Trial and oh, Foundation, that, uh... which I was totally... I like floored by foundation i think i had heard the name that was kind of when they were coming up and i was just like oh, like trial was amazing i mean trial was trial but holy shit foundation just like left me with my jaw on the floor like definitely the best thing to ever come out of atlanta and then the next day was uh shy halud was playing and then chad came in and sang so oh. it was nice seeing sea bass back on the mic 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that Newfound Glory, those guys are all homies. Jackson. I mean, Chad and Cyrus and Jordan, those guys are I go way back with those guys, seeing their first shows and seeing them and Dashboard come up and blow up and seeing those guys on MTV. Like we had there was a like a warehouse where I mean childhood morning again until the end. Mm. Newfound glory, like they all either shared warehouses or were like one or two couple stalls and you'd go out there on like a Tuesday night and like they'd be all in each other's little warehouses covering and just messing around and, and jamming together. Like I look back on those times like, man, the, you never know they're gonna be the best days of your life until mm-hmm. you're way past looking back on those moments. Like Right. You unless to, you like, get appreciate it while you're in the moment. You go to like your last all ages show and you don't know it's your last all ages show. You know, you kinda like wake up one day and you're 40 and you're like what the hell happened <laughs> yeah i was yeah, thinking back, exactly. back like, i was trying to think of what my last show was and i was like i think it was when the Cro-Mags came to town in like 2014 so it's been a minute i've, I've gone to a few texture shows and it's just it's it's not like it was back home so i think the last uh like punk rock show i went to was probably well it was pre-COVID, so I saw the Misfits reunion, and then I saw, I think Tiger Army was, like, the mm. last show that I saw, and I don't even know who Nick 13 had with him. I don't know if he had the original guys or if it was some other guys with him, but uh, it was great. I enjoyed it, but that was, as far as, like, punk or hardcore shows, it's been a while since I've been to one, and I wanted to go see Seven Seconds with Circle Jerks when they were... Uh, on tour recently but yeah, they just came through austin but i had nobody to go with i'm like i'm not gonna go by myself i would i would have came with you if you would have called me right but, and then i uh descendants and h2o just played in chicago and i freaking i know in st louis and i missed it and the guy that plays guitar in my band he went and he said it was just absolutely amazing and i'm i'm bummed out that i missed it because i i try to catch h2o every time i can and i've always wanted to see the descendants i just have never gotten around to it yeah i've never been able to see them and Robin's still just hitting hardcore shows every weekend being you know. <laughs> not every weekend. I recently, there was a long time where I didn't really go to many shows. I would go to like, I've seen dropkick Murphy's like a million times. So I would always try to catch them. Um, Rancid is another one. I will like clear my calendar for to go see. I mean, I try to, I try to go to, shows when I can when they're in my city um, because it's just easy to go and they're cheap and whatnot. But if I have to travel to the major city in my state where a lot of shows are, um, I I really become picky if I have to drive that far. (laughs) I mean, it's only an hour, but still I'm like, they really have to be someone I want to go, you know, see. How many times have you seen Rancid? Not that many disappoint. Like I'm disappointed that I haven't seen them more, but I've seen them three. I think three times. I missed um, last year. They came through with um, Dropkick Murphys, and I really wanted to go, but um, I just left my last apartment, and like I don't know. I was just like, I don't. I, I just didn't try to go. And I didn't really like the venue they were playing at. So that's, I'm old and picky. So <laughs> it has to be like a certain venue. It has to be like, you know, if it's on a school night, that's 
probably a no, unless it's like a really a band I really want to see. But yeah, last night I was like, yeah, I'm not missing Agnostic Front and sick oh, of it yeah. all. So I, I made sure to go to that one. Um, I saw Rancid once and it was when Life Won't Wait came out mm-hmm. and it was, it was a great show and it was them with Hepcat and the Gadgets. Oh, and, oh, wow. oh my God. I'm so, yeah. Oh, I yeah back then though, like I, I totally, I totally didn't appreciate the, uh, you know, Hepcat and the Gadgets. And if I would have seen Hepcat now, I'd have been like, oh my God, <sighs> this is amazing. But I love Hepcat. Me with my spiked leather jacket and, uh, you know, my fuck the world attitude at the time was like, what the hell is this? You know, I, I just didn't get it. But man, I, I, Ranton was so good. And you were looking too back, cool for yeah. yeah, I was I was like uh, I was too cool for everything, unfortunately. And I think I missed out on a lot of good things because <laughs> of uh, my uh, punker than thou attitude when I was like 16. So, Carlos, you've seen Ranton before, too. Oh, yeah. I think the last time I saw them, I we got VIP tickets to go upstairs and that was the first time I ever experienced the show. I think it was rancid and no effects. I mean, you had to pay $250 for a bottle, but it was a weird, different, more laid back experience on the upper deck, you know, not being down in the, you know, assholes to elbows with sweaty people. It was weird. uh, Enjoying a show like that. I was like, man, we should have done this shit more often. (laughs) <laughs> that's i'm telling you that's the way to go um whenever i can um go to a show and pay a little bit extra to not have gross sweaty people on me i'm all about that since i'm old and where you don't have to really look over anyone or like move around to like see that is what i like to do i did that for dashboard confessional yeah. um, but What's sad is, so this was two years ago and I paid extra for the VIP, like the, the seats and everything. And I was on call at my last apartment uh, for, you know, um, investigations and the opening band was piebald and they had played their second song and my sergeant's calling me and Uh. I was like, fuck and so she's like, yeah, we have a shooting. We need you to come in. So I had to like haul ass from the, you know, major city or whatever that I saw them from and get to a shooting that happened where um, this guy shot another guy in um, his junk <laughs> in the balls. He got shot in the balls. And so, yeah, that ruined my dashboard confessional, my last dashboard show. I was very upset. I paid extra for the VIP section and I didn't get to see them. So I feel like sad. you should write Chris Carabo a letter <laughs> and be like, hey, yes. I paid for VIP tickets and some guy got shot in the balls, so I couldn't come. <laughs> so could you please write a song for me and then write a song for my good friend Roger because he loves you. And please send us a lock of your hair. <laughs> <laughs> So I think Carlos is a is a dashboard lover too. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, they're from South Florida, bro. Like, what do you expect? So, so we're all kind of on this like Chris Carabas, like the, the coolest guy in the world thing. We we need to and talk we'll, about this more yeah. often. Yeah, we're gonna have a Chris Caraba episode, I think, because I mean he has other side projects, or and you know he started in another band and whatnot. We'll we'll dive into that in a Chris Caraba episode. Forever. Yeah, so good. So I just learned um, so, about Twin Forks. Sorry. Oh yes, 
Yes. We'll have to... You haven't listened. Oh my God. You I need know. to listen to Twin Forks. You're going to love it. It's like dashboard meets farm emo. It's amazing. It, it is really good. And before we move on, have you guys heard Dashboard's cover of the 1975 song Sex? I don't think so. I'm going to no, add I it have to the playlist. Either. It is like. It's really good. You'll listen to it and you'll be like, you're going to like, uh, you're going to fall in love. I'll, I'll just say that. I'll keep it clean. You're going to fall in love. <laughs> like for me, their best album, or at least my favorite album of theirs is the, what is it? The MTV Unplugged. Me too. It's so, cause I like fast. Like I've never seen the dead Kennedys play. And obviously without Jello, it was a uh, Brandon Cruz, the singer from, uh, shoot what was the band it was from anyway. But, uh, they were so fast, like going back and listening to the actual studio recordings. I like that, that show ruined dead Kennedy's for me. Cause I could never listen to their studio albums again after hearing how fast they were. I know there's a bootleg out there, like a 1982 skate park. That's the only dead Kennedy's I can listen to after seeing them live. That's awesome. And that's like Robin and I had this discussion about what our, cause we were both buying some dashboard vinyl a couple weeks ago. And I was like, my favorite is MTV Unplugged, and she's like, I hate it because everybody's singing along. Ah. I'm like, I'm singing along, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's it's just not the same. Like the crowd, like ruins ruins it. My favorite oh, no is my my. You cannot be Swiss Army Romance. That is like that's true. The best it is so good. I love every song on there. You guys know what my favorite song is, right? Roger does at least. What vindicated. <laughs> no, on Swiss Army Romance, silly. Oh, I don't remember the track list. Oh, you suck so bad. I, I believe yours is a plain morning, right? It is. You're correct. Which is not my favorite song on that album, but it's a good song. I I love that song so much. It's very romantic and it's emo, and that's all you need. So I mean, I every song is emo on that, but. <laughs> And Carlos, it might have been okay for me, for you because you were from South Florida, but me being a hardcore kid in the Midwest, like listening to Dashboard wasn't something I did in front of my friends. It was like something uh-huh. on the on the DL that I listened to and and uh, in my in my car by myself. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you... it was it was in in my scene like we we embraced so the hardcore kids had you know, the emo bands that you would listen to, there's no shame in it whatsoever. They kind of went hand in hand. So we didn't. There was kind of like a big, big division between like the hardcore kids and like the oi kids, like, you know, the skins and the punks and then like the emo kids. Cause in the Midwest, like there's, there's a pretty strong emo scene. Like you got like bands like Alkaline Trio Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And all those Chicago bands. uh, And I think that it just kind of, made a division with with that stuff but um you know i i definitely listened to dashboard knockline trio and stuff but it was things i did in the shadows so other <laughs> dudes didn't know what i was doing which i i freaking love alkaline trio actually my band covers one of their songs now so uh anyway moving on we'll talk about chris caraba more later <laughs> chris uh come be on the show well they did a newfound glory and dashboard did a like i think a seven inch where they each covered each other's songs I did not really? That. Yeah, I've got a couple copies of that one. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I one you can have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a picture. I'm looking at it right now. 
What's the name of it? What's the name of the... I think they combined the names of the two albums where they covered. So it's like Swiss Army Romance and whatever Newfound Glory album it was. I'm blanking on the off the top. Sticks and Stones? That was their most popular one. Yeah. I still like the first one, Nothing Gold Can Stay. Uh, Yeah. I actually like the, the, what was the one with um, uh, Don't Let Her Hold You Down? Oh, that was the one on Bridge Nine, wasn't it? Yes, that was such mm. a good album. Mm. Uh, not without a fight. That was an amazing. Yeah, album. that was that was really good because it had like nice little uh, hardcore elements. So did Catalyst, though. But... Isn't that where they mm-hmm. covered uh, Gorilla Biscuits, or was that International Superheroes? Uh, that was like Tip of the Iceberg was the name of that. Oh, okay, that's they covered right. they covered a uh, No Reason Why, mm-hmm. and I remember like. The uh, album was like the G side and the B side. So it was Gorilla Biscuits. So kind of cool. All right. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping up this episode, but um, um, Roger was talking about a underrated band that he really enjoys, which was Boy Sets Fire. So Carlos, what about you? What's an underrated band that doesn't get a lot of attention that you love? My favorite hardcore band ever from Miami, Brethren. I got can't. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. they blew up but they were they were huge local and they never went i was like man these guys could go like national it was before like until the end or mm-hmm. and they were like one of the first hardcore bands i ever saw and brethren man i, I blow up those guys anytime I, any chance i get it's impossible to find them on spotify so if you want to look into brethren you have to go on on youtube they have i think they're all their albums are uploaded on youtube but yeah brethren Nice. Nice. Uh, what's one? Of, what's a good song from them? <laughs> any, any, any song. Well, what's your favorite? Um, it's like the one that goes. Right. I don't know. Pretty much all of them. Yeah, you can't go wrong with any brother song. So yeah, for me, a really good underrated band. I feel doesn't get a lot of attention is um dead guy so they were they started on victory records um their album uh fixation on a co-worker is amazing if you're into kind of that metal core like math core ish so i feel like dillager escape plan kind of you know they got popular but they they were after they came out after dead guy and uh like one of the best dead guy songs in my opinion is pins and needles whenever i'm having like a bad day at work i'll put that on and feel better so it's it's a good band they're from new jersey i think that's another state that like a lot of good hardcore bands came out of like in the late 90s early 2000s like you had like floor punch and um freaking uh oh my god ensign those are a couple good yeah yeah it's an interesting place i played at a place called um the stone pony out there which at the time i didn't know how like iconic that was but um like bruce springsteen kind of got his start there and stuff i i had no idea but uh jersey you've got uh gaslight anthems from there the misfits are from there Mm-hmm. Lodi, New Jersey. You got uh, are the Bouncing Souls from New Jersey. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of good stuff. Uh, uh, did we lose Roger? <laughs> sounds like it. 
he he disappeared he went digital and disappeared while you were talking i was like man what is the name because i know the name of the brethren album is uh to live again and i'm like i know it's the first song to live again so it's uh simple answers is the name of the song simple answers yeah or simple answer uh simple answers i think it is okay by brethren all right we'll have to check that out youtube and just look up brethren to live again like that this fucking slaps from start to finish nice i'll have to put it on oh roger's back i think uh what happened oh sorry guys i don't know i think i got struck by lightning or something (laughs) (laughs) the weather's pretty crazy here anyway uh i don't know where i was at but there was a band called in search of that we used to play with from new jersey that was really good uh probably in the early 2000s but I, I know that uh, you guys got stuff to do today and I, we're supposed to try to keep these episodes around an hour. So um, anything else you guys would like to bring up uh, in the future? We got some good stuff planned. Yeah, we got it. We, we're going to keep, you know, hitting the ground hard with, with talking about work, uh, police stuff, and then also music. I know we're more focused on music, but we'll, I think we'll talk about like some funny calls we've been on and, um you know maybe some bucket list cases that we've never worked um those type of things in the future but i'm just happy that i have my my hardcore brothers here carlos and roger it's awesome that we're all around the same age and you know we were we like a lot of the same bands so it's really cool so we're going to start a band and record an album just just so everybody knows it's going to happen it it won't be very (laughs) good but but we're going to do it (laughs) yes Uh, and then we're we're gonna open our own record store slash bakery slash cafe coffee shop yeah um, yeah shout out to 1082 for putting this together um i'll have him share the link we're gonna we'll have a spotify uh playlist of some of the bands we talk about on here if anybody wants to check them out so all right guys Close well speed. thanks for listening and uh we'll catch you on the next one yep see you guys awesome thank you guys right.